Welcome to Law Light, a quick dose of legal levity as we shine some light on the heartbeat of the legal field. Linda Delmonico, CEO of Gibson Arnold and Associates, and today I'm here with Berlicia Willis, Director of Talent Acquisition for Gibson Arnold. Berlicia, welcome. Thank you so so much, and I'm really excited uh, to do today's podcast on salary negotiations. And you is one of my favorite topics. Well, it is a wonderful topic, and I think it's uh, very informative for our listeners. And so, I'd like to begin with what are the key points. People should know about salary negotiation. Where do we start on this? Absolutely. So there are several steps that um, attorneys should keep in mind and be prepared to take. The first one is to know the market. It's really important to uh, understand that um, there are uh, cost of living factors per market. And so if you're looking at a location that's uh, outside of your current location, you want to make sure that you have a handle on uh, what it would take for you uh, and or your family to to actually thrive in, in that location. So definitely knowing the market is the first step. And then following that, I would say uh, know the firms to which you are applying. That's very important. And understanding that within uh, that particular market for that office location, they are going to have their own salary bands. And so when you're doing your research and you're looking at these firms, take into consideration um, not only the cost of living for that market, but also understand that uh, most law firms will have salary structures that are on par for that given uh, office location. You know, it's really interesting because I think when you're starting out with knowing the market, it could be someone relocating to a new market, right? And then yes. there, there are lawyers who live in the market and they may not really know a lot about the market. Mm-hmm. And so understanding when you're talking about markets, so there could be two different two different ways to look at it and two different frames of references. One being I'm relocating to a particular city and understanding the cost of living and, and what it's like in that market can be really important. But then the second is the firms because the firms are grouped out by tiers and you may have a top 20 law firm on the AMLAW, and they pay starting salaries at 190000 today, and they do that in all offices. But then there's others, like you're saying, that are more focused on a particular city, and they want to pay, be paid, paying competitively to the Houston or the Colorado market, correct? That's correct. And in addition to that, keep in mind that um, the um, billable rate is also reflective of that market. So when you have international law firms, they will typically have a uh, an overall law firm billable rate, but then there's also a market billable rate. So that's another factor to uh, to take into consideration. And I would say we're, we're talking about law firms, but in our audience, we also have lawyers that are wanting to move into corporations. And with that being said, I think that that is also these points about the market can be really important because corporations are really across the board. And when I think about the market in that sense, corporations will pay based on industry, 
They'll look at other competitors. They'll also look within the market at non-competitors and what they're doing. So for example, in a corporation, you may have a base salary and a bonus and then other compensation, whereas in a law firm, it could be salary and bonus as well. But if you're a partner, it's going to be a totally different compensation. Absolutely, because with partners, you're dealing with a book of business. And um, with associates, not only are they looking at your practice area, but they are also considering your grad year. And they will look at your level of experience, uh, your skills and responsibilities, in addition to in addition to the title. And by titles uh, for law firms, we're looking at either associates or partners or counsel. Okay. And... You know, when you're talking about what the firms are looking at, are there particular expectations that firms have about the protocol of extending an offer? Well, I think the biggest expectation is that you've done your research and that um, you actually want to work at that particular firm. And in addition to that, um, that you have a sense of what it is that you would be needing. What are your salary parameters? And, um, you know, what will it take for you to make a change to join that particular organization? You know, and, it, and it's so pointed right now because in, across our country, the law has been shifting that an employer cannot ask you, what are you making, right? That's, that's correct. And um, we have to be very sensitive to that as recruiters. And one of the ways that we, um, you know, try to uh, engage our, our candidates in having that discussion without breaking the law, of course, is uh, going back to that, that question that we had noted uh, just a few minutes ago, and that is, what is it going to take for you to make a change? And typically, when we um, open up that discussion with that particular question, candidates we find are often comfortable um, at that point, sharing with us, well, this is where I am right now. And um, then in that particular case, they're volunteering that information. But it gets a little tricky when you have a candidate that either doesn't want to disclose that information or they don't know what they need to make a change, especially if they're relocating to a different city. And I think also when you're negotiating, I, I feel like some candidates are not wanting to be the first out of the, um, you know, the first one out with, an, with that information. I think they're wanting a firm to maybe give them an offer. However, I think what our listeners need to be aware of is that corporations generally want to put together the best possible package in order to win someone. So if they don't have that information, it's very difficult for them in the, in the sense that they will go ahead and put together an offer but then you need to be prepared on what it is that you are expecting and how you're going to counter. Because the whole counter process can, can blow a, poten a potential opportunity if it's not handled properly. Absolutely. And there, are, um, there have been times when I've had this discussion with potential candidates, and one of the things that I often hear is, and I don't necessarily know that this is a, a concern, but it is a point of consideration, when they say, well, I don't want to lowball myself. So what are they willing to pay? And that approach to the negotiating process probably isn't the best approach. Um, 
it's really more important that you understand that a candidate understands what it is that 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 they're needing and if they are either working with a recruiter or they're working on their own uh, they should be able to have a very open and transparent discussion about that uh, rather than seeing it as a handicap if they you know share that information it's it's not a, a handicap it's an important uh, tool it's an important piece of information that um, both parties need to be aware of when they begin this process of negotiating. So here's my recommendation in listening to you and, and for our listeners. I think that, to your point, what is it that you need? Mm-hmm. What is your current salary? And what is it that you're trying you're trying uh, to, to earn ultimately? So you know, having a sense of what is important to you on compensation, because some people it's not so much about the money as about the opportunity and making sure that they're getting some upside and growing, um, but they're, they're mindful that organizations have particular salary requirements and needs because they're looking at, these organizations are looking at everyone in their payroll within that particular band of employee and then deciding you know, what can they do. So there's limitations within organizations on how much they can pay. So I think if you have a real strong sense of what it is that you're trying to accomplish, know your number, and then be confident with when you're extended an offer, if it's, if, if it's going to be way out of the ballpark, um, that you know what your bottom line is and what you're willing to accept. Because you don't want to go back and forth in a counteroffer. It's much better to go out in a strong way with you know, being able to accept an offer and knowing what that is. And I think recruiters can help in that sense because they can prepare an employer on what it is that you're hoping to achieve. And if you share that information, it's very beneficial for the whole process with um, with a recruiter helping you in your negotiation. Absolutely. And, you know, another point of consideration is, do you really want to join that particular firm? If you're making a change to make more money, does it matter what firm you go to next? Are you looking at who can pay the highest salary? And that's not a condemnation. It's, 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 if that's what's important to you, then that's what's important to you. But if you are looking at um, the overall opportunity, not just the firm, but you also want to make a, a competitive salary for sure, but there are other um, factors to consider, non-monetary. There are non-monetary benefits and incentives that are just as important and just as valuable. Um, and, and some of those could be retirement, um, vacation, uh, stock what, options. Stock options, absolutely. What is, um, you know, what about alternative work schedules? Or if uh, you want more of a work life balance? Um, or maybe you want the opportunity to join a more robust practice? These are all very, very important um, uh, points of, of consideration that you really do want to give fair attention to each one when you're thinking about making a move. Well, and for Lucia, I feel that if if money comes across an interview as the number one reason, most firms are hesitant to move forward with candidates from that perspective because what they're looking for is someone who's really interested in, in them. Absolutely. And it might be, and I know people say, well, money is not important, but it's higher up. I, I agree with you. I think for most people, money is really important. And so... 
they it, it's a little bit it's a little bit dicey in the sense of your presentation because if that it does come across as your number one, then most firms are a little bit hesitant because they want their firm to be the reason that you're making the change because of their culture, because of the people, because mm -hmm. that they're great practitioners. And so I think you're right. We're talking about the values that you hold and how you're looking at it and understanding if you're making a, ch a change strictly for money, why? why? What is it that you're really trying to achieve? Is that really what you're trying to achieve? Or is there another objective that money is a big part of that in your, in your manifestation of your next job? Absolutely, absolutely. I I, um, I agree with you 100%. I think that when firms are um, considering candidates and it comes across that the candidate is wanting to make a move because of money, their, their thought, their thinking is, well, if we offer this candidate X and someone comes along and offers them more, they're not really, com they won't be committed to us. And that's really what they want. They want you to be there and they want you to be committed uh, to thriving uh, with them. So can your career objectives really be achieved at the firm? I think that's what we're talking about. Absolutely. When you look at that. And also just to go back to the salary band concept, law firms and corporations both have that conceptually. Uh, however, I think in corporations, when an HR department is evaluating an offer, they like to bring someone in at the midpoint of a salary band. And so what that, the reason that they want to do that is so that you have room to grow as, in your career as you move forward over the next several of years. So understand that when a corporation gives you an offer, they generally don't want to bring you at the highest point of their band, even if you have a sense of what they what that band might be for some reason, if you're able to access that information. They want the midpoint because they want you to have a runway for growth. And the other thing is that you need to really look at the alternative benefits as your total compensation in a corporation. So let's say you're given a base of 200000 You have RSUs and maybe you're getting that, that stock is worth an additional fifty thousand a year to your compensation. So now you're really at two fifty, and then you have a bonus potential. And so you can see how the total comp on an offer becomes really important. And that thought process of looking at it and looking at an offer in detail becomes important, not just the base salary. Absolutely. And another thing to keep in mind is that the base salary when an offer is made, that amount is to get you in the door. There's going to be growth, as you noted. And um, there's going to be growth not only in the base, but there's going to be growth in the bonus, and there may be growth in the equity portion. There's always going to be growth potential. So making sure that your mindset is such that you understand this is a starting point. It's not where I'm going to, to stay. It's a starting point. So, Felicia, what do you think are some of the pitfalls in a salary negotiation? What have you seen? Well, once the offer is made, it's definitely time to, and it's, it's an offer uh, at an amount that perhaps if you're not comfortable with it, it's time to, to negotiate. And going back to one of our earlier points, this is where having a sense of what you're going to need to make a change is really important and it's also where you know disclosing um your your uh your your salary band uh to the potential employee employer is very important 
Um, so you don't want to enter into the negotiating process, uh, number one, coming in once an offer is made and you counter with a number that's just not realistic. And so to avoid that pitfall, sharing your expectations up front early on in the process is really important. Another thing to keep in mind is if in your um, your strategy you are interviewing with multiple employers, make sure that if you do receive an offer, the moment that you do, you notify the other potential employers that you're interviewing with because the last thing that you want is to get into a bidding war. And you definitely want to make, make them aware that you have the offer you may they may want you to disclose what that amount is but um, it is important to let them know up front and uh, you don't want to use an offer made by another potential employer as a bargaining chip when negotiating your salary with them and, and why not i'm just curious on what you've seen for someone who has not really experienced that for someone who, well, the problem, it sends a very, um, it doesn't send a, uh, it sends a negative ma message to that potential employer in that, you know, you are, um, no one wins in a situation like that. It's not a win-win. And it goes back to your earlier comment about uh, not giving the impression that it's all about the money for you. You want to make sure that you can, you, that you're being realistic, that you can justify the number, and that you need to be prepared that they may counter. And, um, and if they do, be ready to accept that. But if you have multiple offers, uh, don't ever play an offer to get a counter offer. It, it's just, um, Companies frown on that. Well, and it doesn't start a strong relationship. It doesn't at all because, again, it goes back to, well, this is about the dollars and cents for this person. Yeah. And I would say also with this disclosure, people are expecting, they want to build trust with you. They want to have you come in and be a great team player. And so the way you handle yourself throughout this process becomes important. They're observing you, just like you're observing the company. And so it's important you know, to be really thoughtful, to be concise, to be clear. And if you give a counter, be willing to accept your counter. If they give you a different counter, maybe you need to go back at it one more time. That's fine, but I would not do more than, than two back and forth because it erodes a relationship ultimately when you're starting. Absolutely. And, the, and the other part that I want to just talk about briefly is if you get a counter, I've seen sometimes candidates go back to their employers and get an, a counter from an employer. 70% of the time when, you, when, when individuals do that, they end up leaving within a year of staying with an existing employer when they've taken a counter from their employer versus taking the job offer that they were given. And the reason being is that you're looking for, you're looking for another opportunity. And there's two things that happen. One is your existing employer may not actually be meeting your needs. And secondly, ultimately there creates a lack of trust because now your employer doesn't know if you're going to take another offer at some point in time. And so it's not a great way to do that. It's much better to be clear, I'm ready to make that change. And if you are in the interview process and you decide that you want to stay with an employer, I would 
exit out before I get to the offer stage and say, you know what, I've really appreciated interviewing with you. It's great to check this out, but I'm not ready to make a change versus getting to an offer stage with them and accepting a counter offer from an existing employer. Absolutely. And um, you said something that I think is bears repeating that, you know, you're looking to make a change. You are looking for um, a another opportunity. So the question that you want to ask yourself is, am I truly looking for another opportunity or am I looking for more money? So Felicia, the do's. Uh, just to recap and summarize, mm-hmm. give us the do's. The do's is to know the market, uh, know your bottom line number, consider non-monetary benefits and incentives, and uh, if you do decide to uh, counter with a potential employer, uh, be realistic, be able to, to justify that number, be prepared that they may come back with a different number, and if they do, be prepared to accept it. And I would say on the don'ts, don't waste time. Be thoughtful, be prepared when you go into interviews, be prepared with your numbers and why you want to make a move. And don't overvalue yourself, overvalue yourself, but be value yourself. So be realistic is what I'm trying to say. We are valuable when we're coming to the table, but don't throw a number out there that is just not realistic to a particular industry and employer. So we want to we want to have a little bit of humility in this process. Humility is key. It's very key. Be confident but humble. Perfect. And for further research on where you can find out about salary ranges, we're definitely a resource at Gibson Arnold. Felicia, what else would you can would you recommend? Uh, NALP is is another great resource for those in the um, the legal industry. That is the National Association for Law Placement. You can also check out the Department of Labor and uh, Glassdoor is a familiar resource to most folks. So those are some good examples and some places they can go to. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you, Felicia. It's such uh, an honor to, to do this podcast with you and to our guests for joining us today. Thank you for, for tuning in to Law Like from Gibson Arnold and Associates. Please like us and subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating to let us know how we're doing. We look forward to connecting with you again on our next episode. Thanks for having me. Show!